Again, our reading is from Genesis chapter 39, verses 20 through chapter 40, verse 8. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. And whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. And the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them, and they continued for some time in custody. And one night they both dreamed the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. And when Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. And so he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today? And they said to him, we have had dreams and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. For as long as I can remember, I've wanted to be independent, like free, right? Um, I, I mean, I enjoyed growing up in my home and with my, my parents and all of that. It was, it was good. I just, I, I couldn't wait to grow up. And kids, maybe some of you are like that. Like, you just keep waiting for the next thing. Like, you want to be just a little bit bigger, a little bit taller, a little bit older, have a little bit more independence. And that, that was me. I mean, I couldn't wait to get my first job. I couldn't wait to get my driver's license, even to go off to college, to get married. Like, I just, I wanted to be independent. And I think even now, like for many of us, like, that's still sort of this elusive dream out there. Like, one day I'm going to have a little bit more control, a little, a little bit less responsibility, a little bit more freedom. Like, one day, like, maybe, like, some of us, like, independently wealthy. Like, this is, these are the things that, like, we, we strive for together as a people, right? And I can, I can remember, like, what that was like when Kelly and I first got married. I mean, because even, even now, as you think about it, like, we have this longing, but what if I, what if I told you uh, that it's actually, this, this longing for independence is actually the opposite of what we need? That it's actually, it's not independence that we need, but dependence. Which I know it sounds crazy, but, but hear me out, because I can remember that first taste of, of independence when, when Kelly and I first got married, like... In the first three months of our life together, we, we graduated from college, we got married, we moved, we both started new jobs, and I started seminary, and I, or like, all in three months, and I remember, like, sitting down together to work on our first budget, and it was like, independence? Really? Like, it, all, like it, just, it wasn't what it was cracked up to be, and some of you know that experience, and even, like, 17 years later, yeah, we've, we've, sure, we've learned a few things, okay, but the stakes just keep getting higher, 
The fears, the pressures, the urgency. I mean, transparently, I felt more anxiety like internally than I can ever remember feeling in the last few months. Like when we, we feel this, and I know, I know I don't have what it takes. I know that I'm out of my depth, and yet it's still sort of hanging out there over me. If I could just be free. If I could just have a little more control, a little more power. I mean, because we're convinced that we can, we can do it on our own. At some point, we'll be able to. That we'll have what it takes. And for some of you, as you look at struggles in a relationship, or maybe you look at challenges with your kids, maybe it's something at, at work or at school, your finances, your health, your own sense of loneliness or depression. I mean, sometimes it feels like we are in, in a prison that we don't deserve, doesn't it? How are you possibly going to make it? Because just think about Joseph for a minute. Everything in his life is consistently awful. He's in prison now. This is our third week with him. It just keeps getting worse, doesn't it? He's in jail. It's the opposite of independent living. But he's flourishing. Like, what, is, what does he know that we don't know? Well, I think it's this. I think Joseph knows that life will throw you into prison. It's going to happen. But only dependence can set you free. Like it's just, it's going to happen, people. Sometimes it's going to feel like a prison sentence you don't deserve, you didn't go looking for. Like there's, you're going to lose control. Things are going to be hard. It's going to feel like jail. You're going to want to fix it on your own. But the reality is what we see in this story is that only dependence can set you free. And if that's true, if the dependent life is the best life, the only way to freedom, then we need to learn what dependence looks like. I need to learn that. And I think there are four things that we see in this story this morning. If you haven't already, turn to Genesis chapter 40. I mean, suffering is always terrible, right? Suffering for doing what was right, like, does it get much worse than that? Because if you're here last week, okay, so kind of remember where we are in the story. Last week, Joseph maintained his integrity. Good for you, Joseph. And he's punished for it. He's thrown in prison. I mean, his life stinks, okay? He was, he was just 17 years old when his own brothers sold him into slavery. He will spend a total of 13 years between slavery and prison, between the two of those things. 13 years. But at this point in the story, like, Joseph doesn't know that. He doesn't know that it's only going to be 13, Right? For him, it could be his, his whole life. He just doesn't know. Like, it could be the rest of his life. And you think about somebody like uh, David Robinson. I don't know if you saw this story not too long, long ago. This man who spent 17 years in a Missouri prison for a crime he didn't commit. 17, like, just think about that, right? Can you imagine? And, and yet for, for Joseph, here, here's the little thing that's like supposed to be hopeful in the story, and yet it's kind of frustrating. Back in, in 3921, it says, but the Lord was with Joseph, and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Skip down to verse 23. Because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. The Lord is with him, and yet everything keeps getting worse. 
Like, if God is with you, don't think, like, shouldn't life be getting better? Things, oh, God is with me, so things are getting, getting smoother, a little bit easier. Like, we kind of assume that's the case, but that's just not the way it works, right? Because here's the thing, even when God is with you, like Joseph, there will be times when life throws you in what feels like prison. It's not fair, I hate it, but dependence prepares for it. And I think that's, I think that's the first thing we see in the story. Like, dependence anticipates the hardship. Like, because Joseph, like, nowhere in the story does he feel, seem surprised. Outrage, I'm sure he's disappointed, right? But there's not this sort of shock in his, in his voice here. Dependence anticipates hardship. It doesn't revel in it, it doesn't go looking for it, but it's prepared for it when it comes. And if we've learned anything in our study in Genesis, right, it's that sometimes life just falls apart. Like, when we rebelled against God, it messed up everything. And even when, there, even when God is with us, there are times when the mess just simply overtakes us. And yet, I think if we're honest, for many of us, we anticipate just the opposite. Like maybe it's the culture that we live in or the situation in life that we find ourselves, and yet I think many of us, we actually expect life to be easy. Like we expect it to be comfortable. We expect things to, to go our way, right, from time to time. You know, like Kelly and I, at age 22, putting together our first budget, we're surprised when it's difficult. And, and here's the thing, if that's your expectation, if you're expecting life to be comfortable, happy, easy, smooth, like, then of course you're not going to prepare for it. Like, why would, you, why would you try to learn dependence if you think you can figure it out on your own, Right? We're out of practice when it comes to dependence. I even think, for example, uh, back to the, the civil rights protesters in the 1960s. I don't know if you've done any reading on this or, or seen some of the stories, but they would, they would actually practice the protests beforehand. And so they would practice a sit-in and they'd bring people in to, to taunt them, to do terrible things to them, to, to even like to physically harm them so that they could just sit there and, and learn to, to take it for the, for the good of the cause. Like, they, they actually practiced it so that when they experienced it, they were ready. And because they were anticipating it, everything changed, right? They were ready for it, and yet you and I, again, if we're honest, we practice independence. And it's great until it isn't. And then we're unbelievably unprepared. We have forgotten, in our own comfort, in our own ease, we have forgotten how to depend. And so often I think what happens in those moments, and when, when hard things come, we actually move farther away from God, don't we? We, we kind of assume, well, life's not comfortable, it's, it didn't go my way, and so God must, he must not be real, Right? It didn't happen like I wanted it to, so I guess God, he doesn't, he doesn't love me. And I think if we're honest, we tend to think God is only worth depending on if he buys us off with comfort, which is not dependence. Listen, suffering is bad. Like we see that in Genesis, we can all name it, it's bad, right? None of us want it, I'm sure Joseph didn't like it. But do you know what's worse than suffering? Living like you have no need for God. 
the independent life is actually far worse. And you'll be unprepared. Because life at some point, like live long enough, experience enough things, life at some point is going to throw you in what feels like prison. And only dependence can set you free. So anticipate those times and practice dependence. All right, that's the first thing. So go back, go back to the story here, because like, look at Joseph's new life. Again, this is our third week with Joseph here. And so now he's, he's in jail. Awesome. And early on in chapter 40, we're introduced to a couple of, of kind of side characters. It's Pharaoh's cupbearer and Pharaoh's baker, both of whom, for some reason, have been thrown into jail along with Joseph. And in verse, verse 6, this is at some point in the story, verse 6, it says, when Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked, why are your faces downcast today? And they said to him, we've had dreams, and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell them to me. So like, think about this for a moment, because Joseph himself, a decade earlier, had had his own dreams, right? Like if you were here the first week, he had dreams about how one day he's going to be awesome. He's going to be a leader. God is going to use him. And all those dreams have done for him up to this point have led him to jail. That's it, right? So even the thought of dreams, like, he's got to be just, I mean, at least, if, or me, I'd be just a little bit irritated, right? Like, if I, if I were him, I would be in jail having the pity party of a lifetime, right? What was me? I had dreams, too. They were supposed to mean something. But when Joseph sees these fellow prisoners... He's like, wow, guys, you look really sad today. Can I help? Like, why the long face? Uh, because we're in jail just like you, bozo. I mean, it's like, it's almost like, like, what do you, why are we depressed? Why do you think we're depressed, right? And yet, yet Joseph, like, he cares here in this moment, and he wants to help, and, and I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit this, uh, but I picture him a little bit like this guy. Anybody else here? Anybody? Kids? You know what I'm talking about? Korg? Right from the Marvel movies? Nobody. Okay. Actually, half of you are like just leaned in. The other half of you are like, I'm, I'm leaving this church. Um, I get it. Okay. Well, he's, uh, so he's a character in like the Marvel movies. And like in, in, he's introduced in Thor Ragnarok when Thor is thrown in jail. Okay. Yeah. Some of you are like, yes. You, you know? And like Thor is thrown in this, this prison and it's like gladiator awful. Like it is terrible. It is a violent cesspool. And Korg is like the welcome wagon. He's like, hey, buddy. He just wants to make a friend, right? He can't help but want to help. He just might be my favorite Marvel character, actually. And, like, that's Joseph. And I know I've just ruined Joseph for some of you uh, forever. Um, But that's, like, that's him. He just can't, he just wants to help, right? And you can't read this story without noticing that no matter what happens to Joseph, Joseph is going to work his hardest and he's going to love his best. In every situation, like every story, like it doesn't matter where he's at, he's going to work his hardest and he is going to love his best, which seems ridiculous. But that is a life of dependence, and dependence stays faithful in obscurity. That's the second thing here. When life is a mess, it's the only, it's the only way to freedom, and those who are dependent on God stay faithful in obscurity, even when it's the worst. I love that it's Labor Day weekend. It's good timing here. Because the places in which most of us struggle most of the time 
is where we spend the majority of our time, right? At work. And, and whether, whether that's the office or the job site, kids, school, like that's your job, right? That's your work. We're at home. Sometimes work feels like a prison. I'm really surprised nobody amened on that, um, actually. Yeah, sometimes it feels like a prison. Well, you know what? Joseph's work is literally a prison, right? And, and like, think about that for him. And, and you, you, might, you might hate your job. Maybe you don't feel called to it. Maybe you're underappreciated, unseen. And if you're honest, you really just want to phone it in. I mean, I don't blame you, and it may be time to make a change. But until you do, like Joseph... That is where God has put you. And if Joseph can be faithful to God here in jail, you can be faithful to God there. Because I seriously, I seriously doubt like Joseph just couldn't wait to get up in the morning to do his work, right? I doubt he ever felt like called to prison life. Like one day when I grow up, I want to be a slave in jail. No. And yet it is so clear in this story who Joseph works for. He brings his very best to work every single day. And everyone in the story around him, all the side characters, continually marvel at how they see God in him. Think about that. They see from the way that he works and the way that he loves that there is something different about him. I mean, do your kids see it? your classmates, your customers. And and Joseph here, like he doesn't even allow his own disappointment to lessen his love for others. So I tell you, like when I'm disappointed or frustrated, I get even more lazy and self-centered, right? Anybody else? You just kind of turn inward. Like if they'd come to me with their dream of like, oh, you had a bad dream? Sorry, my brother sold me into slavery and I'm in jail because I did the right thing. Like, it's like, like, really? And yet, it's not how Joseph responds. Nobody works harder than him and he says, why are you so sad? Like, think about his sensitivity in that moment and Friend, like you may not like your, your work or school or whatever it is, but there is someone there who needs your encouragement. Like it could be that the, the reason you're there this week at school or work or home or whatever it is, like is simply to ask that question to somebody. Why are you so sad today? Because they need you. There is no place that God can't use you. And in your dependence, you can be faithful to him even in the miserable and the unseen. And only dependence can set you free. And if you want to explore like, more of what this looks like, how our work matters to God, the things that we do um, as part of our lives, like I hope you'll join us. We have a conference coming up. It's called uh, Common Good 2019. 
It's going to be here in this room. It's actually a national conference. It'll be broadcast live around the country, uh, but it'll take place here in this room, so you'll get like to actually be there with it. We have speakers from all across the country coming to speak on this, this subject. It's hosted uh, by our partner organization, Made to Flourish. Uh, it's October 5th. I hope you, I hope you come. Like Even the, the title, like a Church for Monday, Like we've talked about that. We want to be a church for Monday. If you want to press in more of what this looks like, this kind of faithfulness, I hope you'll be a part of that. Okay, so Joseph, again, he anticipates the hardship, and and when it comes, he stays faithful. And really, this whole story hinges on his willingness to ask that question, why are you so sad? But But not yet. First, it actually gets worse, especially for the baker. It's not great, okay? So Joseph, like, he's like, hey, you know, interpretations belong to God, and, you know, I'd love, to, I'd love to help. Like, tell me your, tell me your dreams, basically. And so he, he listens, and it's good news for the cupbearer. Like, you're going to be restored. Pharaoh wants you back. It's awesome. Like, they're high-fiving around the jail. Like, it feels really good. And, and the baker, he's like, ooh, do me, do me, do me. You think that dream was good? Let me tell you about mine. And Joseph, he listens, and it's sort of like, um, that's actually maybe the worst dream I've ever heard in my, in my whole life. Kids, you ever had a bad dream, right? Yeah, yeah, we all, we all have. Like, I can remember one in particular, my daughter told me about, her name is Eden. Uh, she was, she dreamed that there was a giant, like, three-foot-tall spider in her doorframe at night, and as she, tr- every time she tried to call us, the spider would look at her dead in the eyes and go, shh, shh, shh. Like, ugh, it's terrible, Right? This is worse, okay? Because he says, here's, here's what your dream means, baker. Verse 19. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. Ugh. Like, be careful who you tell your dreams to, right? Besides, you think you've got a harsh boss, Okay? And, and it all happens, like just as Joseph said it would. And as the cupbearer is leaving prison, Joseph pleads with him. Look at verse 14. He says to the cupbearer, only remember me when it is well with you. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. And so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. Please remember me. Like one request, man. I told you your dream. I was so nice to you in jail. In verse 23, that the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Dude just can't get a break. Like, every time you think it's going to get a little bit better, life just kicks him where it counts, right? And it doesn't just feel like the cupbearer forgot him. I mean, it it had to in that moment. It had to feel like God forgot him. Because it's like, even just, like, think about this. Like, Joseph, he knows he was there. It's like, okay, God, I know that you can set the innocent free. I've seen it. You did it with the cupbearer. You helped me. You gave him a dream. I interpreted it. You set him free. What do you, do you like the cupbearer more than me? Has he done something different than I did? But, but no, I'm like, you know those moments? Like, God, I know you answer prayer. I know you can respond. I know you can do this thing. And then you look around at other people, right? And it seems like everybody else's life is okay. It's like, man, they, 
They keep getting a break. Why don't I ever get a break, God? Because that's, that's what it feels like in those moments, doesn't it? And we know very little of what those two years are like because he's forgotten for two years in jail. We don't really know what happens. Two more years, and it's already been 11. Why is God so unbelievably slow? I don't know. But I do know this. Dependence waits on God's timing. Dependence has no choice but to wait on God's timing. And that's, that's the third thing here. Because I, I know for many of us, as we wait, like, for many of us, the what of the Christian life is hard enough. I think it's often the when that's just killer. Because it feels like forever. So much waiting. And while those last two years must have felt like forever for Joseph, I mean, Joseph didn't know it was only going to be two more years, right? Nor did he know in the moment that those two years were crucial to God's timing for Joseph to be able to save his people. Because it's waiting for when Pharaoh has a dream, right? He can't be released yet. Pharaoh hasn't had the dream yet. And you and I often have no idea what God is up to. But whatever it is, it's so slow. And we often have no idea how long it is we will wait. And some of us will die waiting. And yet I so often forget this. I know some of you probably do as well. That the hope of the Christian life isn't simply for today. Like we forget that. And there are benefits today, right? Hope, meaning, purpose. Like there's, there's joy in the waiting with Jesus. And yet even Paul says in the New Testament, if that's all our hope is, if it's just for now, then we're, we're fools to be pitied more than anybody else on the planet. Because that's not our story. Our story is about a God who defeats death, so he's not limited by our time frames. Like now doesn't, doesn't stop him, right? It doesn't prevent him. And he is a God who promises to make all things new. And church, we don't know when but we do know that the wait will be worth it. Because that's our story. Which leads, leads to the last thing. Dependence tells a better story. It tells a better story. Because finally, the story actually does get good. It's, it's taken forever to get there, but like chapter 41 is amazing because finally now Pharaoh himself has a dream and no one can interpret it. Like none of the, the religious gurus in all of Egypt, they've tried, they failed, they have no idea what's going on. They can't touch it. And this jogs the cupbearer's memory. It's like, oh yeah, I remember there's a guy who can do dreams. His name is Joseph. He's still at, oh, whoops, right? My bad, right? And so Pharaoh summons Joseph. Joseph interprets the dream. And Pharaoh sees Yahweh in Joseph. Like he recognizes, like, this must be a man of God. And in this dream, I'll be quick with it, right? It takes up the entire chapter 41. But essentially, God reveals in this dream to Pharaoh how, how he's going to rescue his people. 
And it's all been building. All of it up to this, this moment has been building up to this for Joseph. And, and basically, like, the next seven years in the dream are going to be terrible. I mean, actually, the next seven years will be great. They'll be they're flourishing, like, you know, all kinds of great stuff. But the seven years after that will be lousy. And so, so Joseph is like, okay, let's make a plan, right? We can do this right now. We'll save up for seven years. And then when the drought comes, the famine comes, like, we'll be, we'll be saved. We'll have enough. And Pharaoh agrees. It happens. And Joseph ends up becoming the number two in charge of all of Egypt. He saves countless lives. I mean, even God's family, God's chosen people, he keeps God's plan of redemption moving forward. All of that. And Joseph's life of dependence tells a better story. Tells the story of a God who saves so, so much so that, like, even the Egyptians in these stories, they all recognize there's something different about Joseph. And it's because Joseph was dependent. And you know, it's so amazing. Not only is Joseph's story for himself so much better, but, but scholars point out all the comparisons between Joseph and Jesus. Because in many ways, people would say that even in this first book of the Bible, even in Genesis, like Joseph is like, he's, he's foretelling, like foreshadowing the, the one who would ultimately come to save his people. Who would ultimately come to save. I mean, do you even see some of the comparisons? Let me point a few of them out. Like, that like Joseph, Jesus was also favored by his father. That like Joseph from an early age, Jesus had promises that God was going to do something special through him. That like Joseph, Jesus was also faithful when he was tempted. That they were both mocked by their families, sold for pieces of silver, stripped of their robes, and delivered up to foreigners. Both were accused falsely. Both were thrown in prison. Both were stood before, stood before rulers, and both rulers acknowledged that there was something special there. And we're not even, we're not even done with Joseph's life yet. And yet both, though innocent as they were, experienced the lowest of the lows. And both were exalted the highest of the highs. And yet Jesus wouldn't just provide bread for the starving masses. Like, he would be the bread of life. And Jesus wouldn't, wouldn't just save his people from hunger. He would save us from our sins. He wouldn't, he wouldn't just risk his life. Like he would give his life for our forgiveness, for our life. And he wouldn't just rule over Egypt, he would rule over everything. And even here, Joseph in his dependence to God tells that story. And so can we. I mean, yeah, chances are you're not gonna reach the fame and notoriety of somebody like Joseph, okay? Probably not gonna happen. And yet because of Jesus, the same God who was with him is with you. And you also can live this kind of life. So church, it is, it is time for us to give up on this foolish quest for independence. Because even, even if you could achieve it, like this sense of control, of power over your own destiny, like even if you could achieve it, it'd be shallow. Instead, we can cast our dependence, our trust, our loyalty, our joy, our hope upon Jesus the one who came to rescue us. And so anticipate the hardship. Be faithful in obscurity and wait on his timing and your life will tell a better story. Life will put you into prison. 
Only dependence can set you free. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to see our need for you. God, I pray that we would give up trying to continually do everything on our own, to be our own saviors, God, to make our own way, to find happiness on our own without you. And yet, God, I pray instead we would come to see that Jesus is our only hope. And that like Joseph, because you, God, are with us through your spirit, that you indwell us as your people, that like Joseph, no matter what we face, no matter how hard it feels or unseen we may be, that you are with us. Give us hope in you and trust. Help us now as we worship to cast all these things upon you and to know that you are with us, that you are near to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.